2: Hi, Mets fans! Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, and joining me on the show—you've heard him say about fifteen words on this show two years ago, three years ago. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, three years ago. I was on a, another time after that, though. I okay. do remember
2: this today. Okay, so so a, a return a, a friend of the show. Once you're on three <laughs> times, you're a friend of the show. Uh, former Amazing Avenue writer, still Amazing Avenue adjacent uh gentlemen, a reporter in his own right, we have Jack McLoone on the show. Hi, Jack. How's it going? What's up? It's election day here. By the time you're hearing this, it will not be election day. You will know the results of what we're about to talk about. But uh, we have not somehow on the show mentioned that Bobby Valentine is running for the mayor of Stamford, Connecticut. Now, important first question here. Uh, you come from a family of restaurateurs. Have you ever eaten at his restaurant? Oh,
1: no, absolutely not. Where Neither have
2: I. I know there's at least one in Connecticut um, yeah. and I have a friend who claims they have excellent wings. So I, I kind of want to check it out just because it'd be kind of cool to eat at Bobby V's restaurant. But um,
1: he wasn't the manager when the Red Sox had that wings thing, was it? Or was he the manager then that when they were all eating wings and beer? And that's why whatever <laughs> the manager was got fired. Was that him?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking this up now. Was <laughs> was
1: that. You know what I'm talking? I'm not making that There's, up. Right? no, no. Like, there, was there, a thing.
2: there was definitely a thing where people people were upset that people were. Uh, um, let's see. That'd that- be
1: so funny.
2: <laughs> no, it, it looks like it was the 2011 season. Oh
1: yeah, it was. Um, what's it, it was Tito? Um, that
2: was yeah. That was that was the last. Uh, that was the last Francona season, right?
1: Right. Yeah, that's who it was. It was Francona. When okay. Francona got fired, that was the rumor, was that they were drinking beer and eating wings in the clubhouse or whatever before
2: games. Yeah, that would be very funny if it was Bobby V. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, should, it should come as no surprise that a wealthy white former athlete is running as a Republican for mayor of Stanford. Um, You know, I, I don't. I don't know how transferable the skills from manager to mayor are. I'm sure there are worse job transitions you can make than that. You know, he's had to manage people before. He's had to make unpopular decisions. He's probably not, from an experience standpoint, the worst candidate for a mayoral job. Well, They're certainly
1: worse.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, Stanford is not Hartford, right? It's not like there's a... Uh, it's not like there's going to be, you know, so much... He's, he's not running for... I like, got. Uh, a huge city right i think he could probably handle it i don't know anything about his policies i'm not going to find out because it has no bearing on my life whatsoever but right. the question I, I had told you before the show i had a fun question for you and uh, that question is this if one current met could be elected mayor of your hometown who would you want to be the mayor of your hometown current met let's go with just the, the 2021 season because you know yeah. we're, in that, we're in that limbo state right now but Anybody who played for the Mets in 2021 with Mayor of town, who would you like it to be? I'm
1: trying to think of like who would be chill about it.
2: See, I was thinking that Aaron Loop, because he would just be drinking a beer like during council yep. meetings. You know, that's a very good call. <laughs> so that, that's one <laughs> the, of my thoughts.
1: The first thing that popped into my head would be like Francisco Lindor running your town would be fun. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm from a my town was like you know, 2,000, 3,000 people yeah, big. So not big. It's like, 90% white. So, like Francisco Lindor could never win <laughs> the <There's laughs> right <laughs> race in my town. But I think, I think he'd be really fun. I think he could follow the same concept of how if he was the GM of a team where he would just hire his friends who are good at said jobs. Right. I think he would, I think he, he's got to have friends who are good at government. I would imagine he just has, he's friends with everybody.
2: Yeah. He doesn't have a very popular guy. So, he's only friends with people who are good at things. That's probably true. <laughs> I have no evidence to back that up, but sure, I'll believe that. Um, you know, I I feel like somebody else uh, and, and this is this is not just because he's awesome, but I feel like Jacob DeGrom like gets a, gets a, gets the job done, right? Like he's no nonsense. He puts his nose down, he gets he gets the work done and does it spectacularly. So anything he set out to do for your town, he'd probably get done pretty well.
1: There'd be no scandals. No, you'd exactly. nothing in, there'd be no interest in press conferences it'd be what everybody wants you know and they're like i want to never think about the government yes i want to not have to think about them yes and i think you'd get that a lot with the ground
2: yeah i think the ground one would be, be good for, for that reason um stroman would be fun but stroman would be i mean he'd be so bad he'd be so bad at it yeah he would he might be the worst current met at uh at being the mayor of a small town because he would just he, he would just yell at the reporters all the time.
1: I was about to say, he would start so many fights with small, small town papers, like the local indie magazine that just yeah. like runs a monthly feature on like a local family. He'd somehow find beef and it would just be like, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. But, he, but he'd, but he'd frame it as like, you're not profiling my crystal shop or whatever.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's anybody else I'm forgetting. I feel like Trevor May would be fun. Um you he seems like a fun guy, but I don't think he. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him. I don't think he has mayoral ambitions. I think he's having. You have
1: a very good online presence. Your town yes. would have at least one national meme based off of it.
2: <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> whether
1: whether you want that or not is up to you, but I think it would happen. Yeah, I do think, Conforto might be okay, with his history as the Mets union rep. Oh,
2: good call there. Yes.
1: Um, As someone now deeply involved in all things union, I like the idea <laughs> of a pro-labor <laughs> mayor.
2: Sure. Uh, I wonder if his weirdness about vaccinations would make him a poor choice for mayor, though.
1: That's a very good point. I forgot. About, uh, he's always so quiet. You kind of forget that he was a personal preference guy.
2: I, no, I don't. I mean, this also sparks the debate of like, was he a personal preference guy because was he, he was the union rep? And so he had to like, right. defend his his people in the clubhouse or was yeah. he actually a personal preference guy?
1: I don't know. We'll yeah, probably never point. know. We'll never know. Absolutely not. Yeah. Is, again, um, fam- famously open Michael <laughs> Conforto. Yes.
2: Um, I-, I think Brandon Nimmo would try really hard being mayor.
1: Like, oh, he tried way too hard.
2: Everything like, gosh, guys, I just, I-, I don't know how we get the budget passed. You know, everything would be, He'd be really trying very, very hard, but just not. I don't think he has the skills for that job.
1: He would institute a mandatory presidential fitness test for every single member of the town, <laughs> not just for students. It would be everybody has to like do the wall sit.
2: <laughs> everybody,
1: has, everyone from ages like five to eighty has to do a shuttle run.
2: The sit and reach. <laughs> yeah, sit and reach. That's what I'm trying to come
1: up with. I can't remember that. Uh, everyone to run a worst. mile.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. I feel like uh, we, we've we've got most of the good ones. I feel like Dom Smith is very likable, so he would run a good campaign. Um, but I don't know think about his political, you know. Uh, Dom would skills.
1: kiss so much. Dom would kiss so many babies. Yeah,
2: he would. He, he would, would have. Just, he would
1: have the best time.
2: Yeah, he would. He would really enjoy. Maybe, maybe he's the best answer because he would have the most fun with it.
1: Yeah, you know, what? I think that's right. I think, like, we've said, like, you know, Lindor would have the most fun. Nemo would try really hard. I do think Dom would just be like, this is fun for me. You guys, oh, I want to make you all happy.
2: He, he's also very community-minded. You know, like his charity is very community-minded. Yeah. So I, I, think, I think Dom will be a good, a good mayor.
1: What I'm saying is Dom Smith moved a little sober. <laughs> Go run for mayor of my town. You could easily win. Like, 600 people voted it every year.
2: <laughs> I, I fear that the town I currently live in is just a del- little little too racist to elect uh dom smith oh yeah but... i'm
1: saying that there's no way dom smith could win in my town
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i mean you know we we can always dream that dom smith is is one day mayor dom smith <laughs> and uh that would be he's fun
1: let's just, just run for mayor of new york city
2: yeah that i mean he, he, to be can't, fair, he can't do less the, than de blasio he's the best candidate i've heard of in this election cycle probably so,
1: it, it, you clearly don't have to do that much work if you're mayor of New York City. You can try right. like to go to the gym for like three hours a day, like Blasio does, you're good to go.
2: And he's already doing that, Dom Smith. He's exactly. already keeping himself in good shape. So,
1: exactly.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, we're moving off of the topic of current Mets. We uh, look to future Mets and specifically future Mets front office personnel. It seems like every time you refresh Twitter, another baseball executive has said no thank you to the Mets offer. Um, it seems like he is also, they are also rather saying no before they're even asked sometimes. Like it's just, this seems like an absolutely toxic job. I have a couple of opinions as to why people feel that way. But Jack, what do you think? Why do you think the Mets are having such a hard time doing absolutely anything in the front office?
1: I mean, I think it was the quote that, was it Chris who read it last episode where he was like, No one wants to be the meat and the Albersen sandwich, which I agree is a absolutely horrific phrase. Yes, it is. I thought that was you guys made that the name of the episode. That's why I'm remembering. That's why it's sticking in my head. (laughs) Is it's just? I think that's. I think he's like. It's like a poison pill. I mean, you you know that Sandy's going to be super involved. They kind of are very open about it, and it's either that. I mean, it's that or it's that Cohen is running this search through point 72 whichever was just like i don't want to work for these weird vc dudes if i don't have to and i i can't imagine that that seems like a pleasurable thing to show up in because it's this weird mix. and then that's job is such a weird mixture of expectations that are both entirely reasonable but seem completely unattainable just based off of whatever weird stink that they have whether that's lingering will pond or Current Sandy or just meddling from Cohen every once in a while. I don't know what exactly drives those issues, but it all—it feels like a cursed job,
2: which is crazy. It really does. And there are a couple of people I've seen online ask the question that I feel like is at the heart of all of this, and that we don't consider as fans enough. Imagine for a second that the job that you do, your current job, listener. There's only thirty of them in the world. Okay, and you're off. And imagine if you are trying to get one of those jobs, and before even interviewing, you decide, nah. How bad must that job be? Yeah, like it, (laughs) it boggles my mind. Like you know, it just it seems to me like everyone I know who likes baseball thinks they could be a GM, except the people who actually can be GMs, who are saying, nope, I don't want to do that. I'm walking away. Yeah. Who was the
1: one today that said he was basically just like, I'm focusing on myself at this time. And can I look get prepared for the next opportunity? Like, dude, you're passing on this job. That's crazy. What a weird way to phrase it. Yeah. Like that's Um, exactly what you're saying. Like that's how, (laughs) how bad does this job have to be where someone's like, I won't go take Steve Cohen's um, like limitless pockets and learn on the fly and learn just by throwing money at people. And instead I'd rather go work for whatever. I'm pretty sure it was a, Twins. It was the
2: Twins, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, trying to, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to find the, the quote. Um, Daniel Adler, who is a Harvard alum and a young Twins exec. Um, you know, again, like if you're a young executive and you're basically said, you're basically given the, not free reign here, <laughs> but you're given an opportunity to run a major ball club. It's like, no, I'm good. I I, I don't want to do that. Um, you know, you that's, also that's, not
1: work for the Twins. Who are one of the most miserable franchises of baseball currently.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point also. I, I, I suppose, I mean, look, Sandy has to be a part of this. What's crazy to me about that, though, is that a year ago, like quite literally a year ago, Sandy Alderson was considered a sure enough hand that he was what convinced the owners to approve Cohen's bid for the team. That Cohen had to bring in Alderson, who's considered this old school – you know, just reliable hand to just to, to steady the till that he needed that guy to get approved. And less than a year later, nobody wants to work for that guy.
1: I'm not. The way that you always open things, you say, I'm not X. And then it means you start, you're going to say something that means that you are. <laughs> sure. I'm not a big conspiracy guy. <laughs> okay. but. You got to imagine at some point that the owners knew Sandy sucked, right? And they were like, "Okay, yeah, you have to take on Sandy because we believe in him." Like, "LOL, no, we knew he was the Wilpons' problem the whole time, or at least he agreed with them." Like, that was what the deal is. Like, that's where my brain has gone. Like, it's been so warped by this whole thing. It's like the owners had to know that Sandy also hates spending money.
2: I mean, so I don't. Reason. I don't know. I mean that that seems very logical at this point, right? <laughs> but but. I hate that it is. But I also feel like Sandy Alderson is somebody who operates the way that owners want their GM to operate, which is that we will spend money if we have to, but we're going to be conservative with our money. We're not going to invest in too much risk. We're going to try to be a well-run, well-organized, build-from-within organization. And I think if, you were, if, if Alderson came in to a situation that was less Wilpon fucked than he got, he could have turned this team into something really special. So I think I do think his skills are there. I, I don't think that he is bad at his job. I think that the Wilpons are so bad at theirs that they've that they poisoned the well for Sandy a little bit. But I I really wonder, and this is the eternal optimist in me. I wonder if people just saw the shit show with Porter and now with Scott and with Mickey Callaway, And they just thought like, you know what? This is just a case of Alderson. He can't, he can't be trusted to make hiring decisions anymore because his record is so bad. It has nothing to do with his baseball decisions or his free agent decisions or anything like that. But in terms of as a judge of character, we are choosing to believe that Sandy Alderson is no longer a reliable source. And' that's you completely know, reasonable. I think – th- and I think that's growth on the part of baseball because baseball has not been uh, shy about hiring shitty people before. And so maybe yeah. this is representing some growth on the part of baseball and just saying, you know what? No, we don't want to work for a guy who clearly does not value the input of women or who clearly does not do his due diligence when hiring somebody in a variety of positions. Is yeah, that, that possible?
1: Is- I don't know if it's as virtuous as that i'd imagine if the, that's the reasoning they just like we don't want to be the guy that gets hired to by the guy who's his last two hires were notorious sex pest and dui driver from a team event no less um you're like well i'm the guy who's gotten hired to replace those two which like on the one hand in comparison can't like possibly look worse but yeah. on the other you're like well now those are like that's my comparison. Like this is, I'm getting hired by the guy who thought those two were good at their jobs. Like, I think that's, so I think maybe like it's, I, I am very uh, uh, disinclined to give any like executive <laughs> in baseball the benefit of the doubt anymore. <laughs> I've been burned on that too many times to think it was a virtuous decision. But I don't think that's an incorrect way to think about it. Because I mean, I would like, i with you on the internal optimist side of it. I would like for that to be true. Um, I could see it being true. I mean, I think that there has been a change. I really think it goes all the way back to the Talbman stuff. And then it's kind of spiraled out from there that front offices are forced to be a little more cognizant of this stuff. And of course, the Mets being the Mets where the poster children for what happens when you don't three times right. or at least two times in a <laughs> row, like immediately <laughs> um, in the way that they always are, it seems.
2: Now, I wonder if... And look, I am I'm I'm reluctant to even say this because I don't want anybody to think that I'm advocating for the reasoning. I'm advocating for the results, but not the reasoning. I wonder if this would be a great opportunity for the Mets to follow in the footsteps of the Marlins and make a really out of the box hire that will be seen as a commitment to diversity. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's a woman or a person of color or just somebody who is not the standard old white guy up for the executive role. I think that if you are a woman or if you're, um, you know, if you're anybody who is not getting a ton of interviews based on any reason right now to be given this opportunity. I mean, I just don't know when the next time that it's going to be offered to you because baseball is so terrible, right? Like it's not like, you know, for, for somebody like, like Brian Saban, if Sab- Sabian Saban, I never say right? I think, it's,
1: I think it's, I thought it was Sabian,
2: Sabian, whatever Sabian. Um, like that guy's going to get a million job offers for the rest of his career because he's a proven white guy in this job. And so he can, he can take the opportunity to pass on a job he doesn't really want. But if there's somebody out there who is on the fringe of, this conversation who can be elevated to this position i think you have to take that even if you know in a way you're this is being done for the pr of it almost as much if not more than it is for your actual skills
1: yeah absolutely i mean you see it all the time where like these the quote unquote glass ceiling breakers it's always like the shittiest job right i mean it's, i'm uh, what I, I, I don't know if you noticed in the zoom, I muted myself. So I was trying to pull up a pronunciation of the Marlins GM's last name. So I don't want to but- butcher it. Right. Um, I think it's Kim young. I don't exactly know how to pronounce it. Um, but you know, like that's the, it's this, it's a similar thing, right. Where like, that's one of the worst jobs in baseball. And right. that's how this always happens. And I think, I think that's a good point. Like, I mean, if that's what the, if that's what it takes for someone to get like that, to get a high profile job, like the Mets, like, like you said, like the process sucks, but the end result is nice, right? Exactly. Like, it's uh, the name that came up, or it came up in the sense that it's weird that it hasn't come up again, because it was floated the first time is Billy Owens, the AGM for the A's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who is black, and you know, I don't know if there are have been or if there are there aren't many black GMs in baseball, and it seems bizarre that his name hasn't come up again. Now I don't know if it's just because. Days, we're just, we know we're not giving you Billy Bean and we're not letting anybody interview for the job or what. But I would, you would think that that would make a lot of sense. And also, he seems like a very good hire from everything that I understand. He's somebody who should get a job.
2: Yeah. So. I mean, there, there seems to be a couple of people like that. There's a, um, I, I'm trying to now find the, uh, the name because, of course, Twitter is notoriously easy to search for. Right.
1: The, AGM, the, the AGM from the Red Sox, right? Because I was yes. trying to think of her name too. <laughs> I
2: can come up. Yes, yes. Uh, there, there is an assistant general manager for the Red for the Red Sox, um, who is extremely well regarded, and um, I I saw it on Twitter before, and I'm just gonna <laughs> I, I, Yes, thank you.
1: That's yes. the executive management team page.
2: Yes, so you know, take a chance on again. Baseball can only get better from being more diverse. It's just I I don't see how else we can we can frame this new ideas, new perspectives. All of these things are incredibly important. And I also think that there's a very good chance that whoever gets hired will have to deal with Sandy Alderson for a year or two. Mm -hmm. And then probably if they survive that will probably get promoted up. And will not have to deal with him on, in terms of baseball decisions. I can't imagine Alderson being involved on the baseball side too many times. Too, too, too many, too more off seasons. Rather, do you agree with that, or do you think he's going to linger?
1: I think I he's got. I think he's just got to be ready to retire at some point. Right, like he's just got to be done with it. Just on a human being wanting to exist outside of baseball level. I'd imagine there's only a couple years left, whether that's him getting forced out by somebody or it's just, I'm good. See you later. I was kind of done the first time around. Um, and in a more morbid sense, like he's not, doesn't have a particularly good health track record. Like he just, you never know. Like Exactly. Work, working working for the Mets, but working in baseball in general, is not particularly healthy, no matter what you're doing.
2: No. And you would think, you know, he's a guy, he has grandkids, he's beat cancer. You would think that this is somebody who would, would be looking to enjoy the golden years, as they say, right? Yeah, you um, think, and he
1: he will he will not be uh, lacking influence with the Mets as long as Brim's still there. So,
2: right, and <laughs> and supposedly he wants to move into more of the business side of the team, and I think that's probably a lot less stressful than the baseball operations side. At least you go probably... work with
1: the he and Jay Horowitz should go do something together.
2: Yeah, honestly,
1: like I said, I kind of came up with that as a joke. But like, no, that would not make sense. <laughs> like, They've known each other for a long time at this point.
2: And I think that Alderson, you know, he fancies himself a businessman in addition to being a baseball man, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you want to work on the business side, I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. You can probably keep nine to five hours. You can probably get a lot more vacation time than you get in the baseball ops side yeah. of things, you know, just... It, Enjoy your retirement, Sandy. If And look, that, that's not me letting the guy off the hook. He has made some horrible, horrible hiring decisions, and I think that the guy deserves to not work in baseball anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that as somebody who loved Sandy Alderson in his first, fra- first time around with the Mets. I was a huge Alderson supporter, but there has to be consequences. And You know, there, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff on Twitter today, including by some very prominent baseball writers, Basically saying that Zach Scott should not have been let go for the Mets, that, you know, that he's a he's a good baseball mind, and you don't let him know. And you don't you don't let him go because of that. And I just I just can't get that out of my head. I I I'm I'm not saying the guy should never work again. And I'm not saying that the guy should never work in baseball again. But right now, he needs to be out of baseball.
1: Yeah, it, I think, yeah, the DUI stuff is always Interesting is the super wrong word for it. But like that's the stuff where that is a I mean obviously like we we see you see today like how tragic with Henry Ruggs in Las Vegas um, right. where there's always like the absolute worst outcome but on these situations where like thankfully nothing happens like these are just people who need help but I agree with you but you also need to lose your job for it. But I think you're right when you said like you, you don't that's not something you should be necessarily blackballed for and it's something that in the history of baseball, you don't get blackballed for it. Tony La Russa has a job, um, but yeah, I think you got to fire him. You can't, he can't stay, especially with your track record of hirings. Again, like you just can't. Like you got to draw a line. The line's got to be super hard line right now with the Mets.
2: I, I would think that if Scott gets out of baseball for a couple of years, cleans his life up. And when he's hired again can point to a track record of, if not sobriety, although I think that's probably what has to happen. Just, no, I'm going to say it definitely has to happen. Yeah, I'm not going to back down off that. But if he can just show a track record of change, I think anybody is fine with that. I think if you can say, you know, this guy has learned from his mistakes and will and will change his his tune, that's fine. But that can't happen a month after something happens. That can't happen six months after something happens. You have there has to be time for the water to develop to go under that bridge and to come out the other side. Mm -hmm. And I mean to see some of these people talking like that, like Buster only said that. Yeah,
1: that was I mean, that was such a weird
2: he like I know
1: people say all the time, like ex national reporter hates my team. He legit has some kind of beef with the Mets these days. And to be fair, it might be Sandy's fault. Um, Sandy seems to have pissed off a lot of people in the last year or so. Um,
2: So maybe it was him. Maybe it was him talking to me. Maybe maybe I I spoiled the well. Maybe poisoned the well rather. You know, I I did I did joke with him about him giving up his family farm. (laughs) So maybe 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 this is all on me. Shit. I'm like, you're not the first
1: person, so you're not going to be the last either. I'm sure he's real sick of it. (laughs) And like, but yeah, it's such a weird. Like, of all the hills to die on with the Mets and their decision making like how is firing the guy who got a DUI again, after leaving a team event, that's the other thing too it's not like I mean not that there's ever a situation where it's good or like more forgiver forgivable, but you left the team owner's house, which again like, of itself like who let him leave his
2: house well and so drive? but there has been some some debate as to whether or not, he was coming from there or he left there and went out to drink, drink some, some more, ice. you know, and we'll probably never know the answer to that, but you're right. Yeah, Ostensibly he left a team event and that's just, uh, you know, how mm-hmm. do you do that? How do you do that?
1: Yeah. He's got to go. Also to backtrack quickly on Sandy's like, you know, obviously his hiring is all very bad. I think in the last year or so he has made a lot of really terrible regular just baseball decisions on top of everything else that I think maybe has also poisoned that. Well, I think, cause I remember everything around the trade deadline, like clearly he was pissing off like every general manager in existence, like <laughs> all of their yep. trade negotiations through the press and all something like, things that people don't do anymore. And it was, it was crazy to see how quickly the league kind of passed him by on how he was doing things. Yes. I think, I think in that, what was it? A year? Maybe too that he wasn't really heavily involved. That everything kind of changed very rapidly, and he hadn't adjusted to it. I and mean, like no one is doing the stuff to the press anymore. Everyone and like they they should have done more at the deadline in general. And it seems like his way of doing things probably kept them from doing anything more. And then you see the team in the division that really did go for it at the deadline, despite being not very good at the time, is probably going to win the World Series tonight. Like I don't know. <laughs> like you gotta. I don't know. I, I think is that the combination of those two things, which is like, I don't know why he still has a job. I mean, I do, but I don't agree with it in any way, shape or form anymore. I've, I've, I have become super pilled against Sandy Alderson as a GM or, or as anyone involved in baseball ops these days. This last like six months of his tenure really drove me up a wall.
2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: So let's, let's pivot slightly here. And, you know, depending on who is the new front office, uh, you know, pecking order will, will help determine this, but Jack, you haven't been on the show in a long time. So talk to us about what you would like to see the Mets do this off season. You know, what direction do you think they're going to go in? And I I want to pause here just for one second before you answer the question.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When I've been thinking about this, I which you mentioned also uh, starting on Friday, we have our annual Amazing Avenue Offseason plan contest, the AAOP, where you, uh, a fan, can create any sort of plan that you want for the Mets team. We pick the five best, you vote on them, and we have prizes for the top three. We have three excellent bobbleheads to give away this year as our prizes, so please do that. But I, I want to say that, I, I really am going against my own gut here because so much of my gut for this season said, well, if they were just healthy, they would have won more.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if they just, you know, if they just had a better manager, they would have won more. And I, I've really not blamed the players for the failures of this season, but I think I am, I have to convince myself that more of a tear down needs to happen than actually I may be really in my heart believe right now. So I'm interested to see sort of how you fare on that. Do you think that there needs to be a borderline tear down, or do you think that just a couple of pieces here and there can write the ship?
1: I'm, I'm with you on that where I spent a lot of the time being like, none of these guys are as bad as they were last year, right? Like Jeff McNeil isn't that bad. Even Conforto, Dom and JD Dom. and Conforto certainly isn't that bad. I think Conforto, like unfor- i I'm, Fairly confident that Conforto is going to Justin Turner to them like really bad.
0: Yes. Wherever he
1: goes, like I think I think he gets a pillow deal somewhere for a year. God, maybe like goes to San Francisco for a year or something, and then he signs some like eight year deal somewhere and mm-hmm. just kicks the Mets shit in forever. It feels so inevitable on that front, and the thing is, like, unlike with Justin Turner specifically, but you know, Wilmer to a lesser degree. Um, or or Darno actually, who's become weirdly the poster child for this too. Um, I won't necessarily blame the Mets for it because he did have a really bad year and a really bad time. Um, So I I am of the mind that I think you need to tear it down. It's only because you've kind of run out the same lineup for almost three years now and nothing's really happened. You've kind of, like, you, you keep having, like, legitimate excuses but it's time for to shake time to shake it up i think to some degree which is a lame excuse to doing some of this stuff but also you don't need to run this team this way anymore you shouldn't have to you should be able to just go out and say like you're going to make these improvements because you're just going to spend on some guys like you don't have to operate this way anymore (laughs) you kind of can't it's not working like i mean they've been doing it for three years and be running out the same lineup basically every day minus injuries and what's they've been a middling team for three years (laughs) it just kind of comes out in the watch the end of the year they're like hovering around 500 and that's about it yeah Yeah, Yeah, Yes, I mean like so I mean I guess you start I think you gotta trade some combo of McNeil and JD and Tom whatever you can get for them Mm
2: -hmm. which
1: sucks because you are you can't be trading these guys at any lower than you are right now
2: that's very true,
1: which is do why you, you don't want to do it. But
2: do you think that there is a team out there who thinks like we think? We're saying, oh, they can't be that bad. Oh, is every is everybody thinking that way?
1: <laughs> they might be. I you're gonna get fleeced by somebody for McNeil probably. Like oh god, the Rays would love Jeff McNeil. <laughs> and I don't know if he's getting expensive, maybe, which is stupid. Cause it's not going to be that expensive, but like the Rays or the Mariners or, you know, everybody would love a Jeff McNeil when he's right. You know, he's hits the hell out of the ball. Usually he's too aggressive, but if he doesn't have to bat like higher than sixth for you, he's great. And that's the problem with them right now too. Is the Mets how they're bill is Jeff McNeil had to just hit too high and he never figured it out.
2: So this is uh, according to uh sports rack, sport rack, he is in his first year of arbitration eligibility. Oh. And, and so they expect him to get about 2.5 million next year. Oh,
1: he's cheapest, So he'll go to the race. That's easy money. <laughs> <laughs> the Mets will get fleeced for somebody. The Mets will somehow end up getting Brett Phillips and be like, why we? why do you do that? <laughs> like, did you get a worse player, but good vibes, I guess. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I think you got just, even if just to get, Space on the roster to go spend some money for a guy. Like, I mean, I guess of the three of them, Jeff McNeil is technically the most versatile because Dom can't play left and JD can't play third. JD really can't play anywhere.
2: um, JD is very much a DH.
1: Yeah, and he maybe can't hit anymore. So, oops. He's (laughs) so. I mean. And he's probably, but he's also probably the least tradable of the three of them because of his various thumb injuries. So, I mean, like, there there are worse bench bats than JD Davis, theoretically, right? So, I mean, I mean, not to get hung up on these same three guys, but this is like kind of where everything falls apart, right? Because I don't think Conforto's coming back. I don't think he accepts the QO. I think they offer it probably, but I don't think he accepts it. I don't think, unless he can't get a pillow somewhere. But even then, I think he might just want to get out. I think, which is right weird, that. because he always kind of seemed like a guy who wanted to stay at the Mets. But I think this last year, he was just like, "I gotta play somewhere else."
2: I don't know. I I'm of two minds about that. I think if you have Boris as your agent, mm-hmm. you can't operate under the "I want to stay with this team." Mindset, because Boris just won't let you do that.
1: See, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think Boris won't let you do that if they won't pay up for it. But he generally operates under the will of what his players at least deserve.
2: Oh, sure. i, I th- yeah. This is not me necessarily bashing what Boris does. I yeah, think I, Boris, know, I know what
1: you mean now. Yeah. I think
2: Boris is probably an asshole, but he's a very effective asshole for his clients. Yes. You know. Um. But I just feel like if 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 your mo is that you want to play for this team. I think you you have to accept some sort of discount, mm-hmm. and Boris just won't let you do that.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Like I think the only way he stays with the Mets is Boris is like you're not getting a deal better than the 18 and change, whatever the QO is, which is right. entirely
2: possible. I mean, I honestly think that if he if he's looking for a pillow contract, just take the QO.
1: Yeah, it have to be somebody who wants to beat the QO. Because they really want Michael Conforto for a year, which seems unlikely. Unless someone wants to offer him like a one-on-one with a team option or something, which right. maybe San Francisco does. Or they want to offer you three.
2: Uh, yeah, I, right. I was going to say, I feel like the problem is he's not young enough. I mean, he's not old by any means, but I feel mm-hmm. like if he signs a three-year deal, there's no guarantee that the deal after that will be worth more than the deal he signs now.
1: Yeah, Boris might not let him take a three,
2: because
1: you that that next contract's gonna suck.
2: Right. Yeah. So I mean, I I think he would need to take like a five. Yeah. And I don't know who's offering a five after this past season.
1: Nobody, and not not for the money that he would take it for. Yeah, he's taking a pillow somewhere. It's either the QO or a pillow, and I almost would be concerned with the Mets. I mean, giving him the QO does solve a problem, I suppose. Because you need, you need two outfielders right now. That's the other thing, is that they have so many holes. Well, that's, that goes to the heart of how I would build this team is you, you have to blow out the luxury tax. You can't care about it this year. You're not going to be good. It's just not, they don't, they have so many holes and they're already bumping up against the tax, especially with Cano's money coming back. That,
2: that's the big question. To me, Cano is the big question here. Because if the CBA includes a universal DH. Mm-hmm. Do you roll the dice on Cano? Because so he, here's here's my thoughts to that. He's not going to be in great shape because he hasn't played baseball in well over a year at this point.
1: He's playing in whatever – some of the – one of the Mexican leagues or something, I think.
2: Baseball, right, right. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know if that necessarily means he's in great no. shape or not. <laughs> um oh, absolutely not. You know, but I also don't know if there's a pure hitter better that's better than him available – this off-season for less than you're going to pay Cano. I, I I just mean, yeah. I don't not. know. Um, I and, mean, my,
1: my super problematic take on Robinson Cano is that you should tell him to take steroids again.
2: Because then he gets he's suspended like, for life. Because he
1: he's, he's probably not good without them. He's like, you know, his career reputation's already in the tank, so that's probably not a problem. And if he gets suspended for life, the money's off the table. And I mean, before then, he rapes. Like, it's again. I acknowledge that it's a very problematic take of mine, and I mostly say it as a joke. But it, like, I'm like ten percent not kidding.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst thing I've heard today. No. Yeah. You know, because uh, because I really don't know what I don't know what the better option is than that.
1: There isn't like you're also not going to eat the money. It's twenty million dollars. It's a lot of money. <laughs> no, it's twenty I mean, million no, again, for two
2: more seasons, isn't it?
1: Oh, is it? God, is it two more years? Oh my god! <laughs> He's I, know, gotta, like, I don't. I don't think he plays for two more years. I do think this is. If he comes back, he retires. Like I think this is. It. He's got a. I think even he would be like, "This is enough."
2: Yeah. Even if, uh, I, I'm sorry. Oh. Yes, he has. He has two more years, and then he is it ma- twenty a piece? It's twenty four a piece, dude. Oh
1: my god, man, that contract was real bad, huh?
2: Although, it, although adjusted for luxury tax purposes, it's only twenty a year. That's okay.
1: I don't know how I have that number stuck in my head. That's crazy. Why would I ever have adjusted for a luxury tax? number? <laughs> I don't um, think that's all I think about these days. That's
2: not yeah, good. but I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's and that,
1: but that's I mean that's kind of the point, right? It's like that's, you have to go past luxury at that point. You can't if you have to deal with the Cano salary. Just that's a, that's your starting point. You're screwed already. Just go buy it. You have to blow by it. Or, otherwise, you're, or you're not going to be good for two years and you're going to waste two more years of DeGrom. Who, I mean, you've clearly already wasted two and a half, especially with this past season of him getting hurt. Like clearly things are possibly fading quickly for Jacob DeGrom. You don't, that window is rapidly closing with him. Yeah. So I think you, you blow it out. I mean, and I don't, this isn't a great free agent class to do that with, unfortunately at least on the the pitching side of it, but like that infield, you bring back Javi for probably not 500, probably a little less, maybe
2: 485, maybe 490.
1: Yeah. Which like fine. I mean, that's a little bit higher than I want to
2: go, but I think that's what he's going to get.
1: Yeah. And I think the fear there is always, you know, if he loses like
2: a half a tick on the bat speed, he's pretty
1: much cooked at the plate, but I don't know what you can't assume he will necessarily. And also he will make it up in the field still. As he did this year, I mean playing yes. second base is like he's a the best second baseman in baseball defensively. Immediately, my my pie in the sky dream is that they continue to just sign Lindor's best friends, and they bring <laughs> Carlos Correa in to play third base, and I think you get the you know second shortstop third of the three guys from the Puerto Rican World Baseball Classic, and <laughs> you let it ride, you let that cook, you get Correa basically whatever he wants. He's like twenty five. He's not. He's on. really. He's got-
2: He's really young, he, yeah.
1: He's really young, which is concerning with his history of back problems. Because it's crazy to be that young and have back problems. I say as a twenty-four-year-old who has minor back issues. <laughs> I was just going to say that, but, I, but right. I'm not a, but I'm not a professional athlete, so it doesn't affect my yet, work life. yet. Yet, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm working on that. I went to the gym for the third time this week today. was a big day for me. Third time <laughs> in the last three months, I should say. Wow. Um,
2: not all heroes wear capes, folks. Not all nope. heroes wear capes.
1: Yeah. Look. Personal growth is growth for everybody.
2: Exactly. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This is not necessarily the best the best year to do that. The other thing is that I, I really want them to bring back Stroman, mm-hmm. but I recognize that he's going to get very expensive and that he may not be worth the value that they're going to get from him um, just because of the fact that this isn't a, uh, a great free agent class. So he's, yeah, you know I, I just, but I I would still I would still take the I would still roll the dice on Strowman.
1: He's probably the third best starting pitcher, second or third best starting pitcher available this year, depending on how you feel about Carlos Rodon. I I would think I mean actually I don't really know how the market feels about Robbie Ray. It's been kind of weird to me that people like aren't hyping him up as the best pitcher available, despite. His strikeout situation. It seems like he's cut the walks down again, but in my head, it's like him, Rodon, and Stroman are kind of the three top tier. I mean, obviously, then there's Scherzer, but I'm thinking like long term deal guys. Like Scherzer's going to get what two years, maybe? Now going to net lead the Dodgers. Like,
2: how would you feel about going after um, Scherzer for a couple of years?
1: I don't hate it. I mean, clearly, it's like fine. <laughs> <laughs> the guy might pitch till he dies on the mound at this point. I mean, he's got a lot of miles on that arm and is clearly not great at managing his own health based on his postseason experience. Right. Um, but at the same time, that was a guy in the postseason. Like, that's kind of what you're looking for, theoretically.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't hate
1: it. I don't, I, I mean, it's another, it's one of these things. Like, all these guys are going to be expensive, but that shouldn't matter is like very like i don't know if it's me just being pro-labor or me being anti-billionaire or whatever to spend all your money i don't care this isn't my money you should spend it all and blow but because like, they, they, they literally can't be good like as the team is built right now they have what three and a half starting
2: pitchers <laughs> they have they have degrom they have walker carrasco they have carrasco they maybe maybe a, maybe of Tyler um Tyler McGill maybe a David Peterson
1: yeah that, that feels about like three and a half like yeah like you have no pitching <laughs> you can't count on any of these guys and you can't do like John Gray and Anthony Desclafani and call it a day like that's not enough though so I would I would love for them to bring local hero Anthony Desclafani home pride of cold snack <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that decision. Um, I mean, but again, it, the issue with them is, or has been historically
1: is that like the Anthony Desclafani signing is like, this is our big move. Like, what are you doing?
2: Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that's kind of why, you know, look, I, I'm not necessarily advocating for them to spend a lot of money on Max Scherzer because I don't think it makes a lot of sense long term. Yeah. But if you're going to go for it, if you feel, if you really feel like, okay, the bones of this team are a championship caliber team, we need to do it right now, or else we're going to lose that. Mm-hmm. Then I don't hate that move, actually. Yeah, I think that I think that's a pretty fair
1: look at where they are currently. Is they probably have to win in the next two years? Dugam's thirty three. But does that opt out after next year that he's not going to take because he's going to be hurt?
2: I think so. Yes.
1: So. I think you can certainly say you should try to win with him in the next two years. And then the Lindor contract is long enough and he's young enough that you can kind of figure it out from there. You'll have a better sense of, you know, I think by the end of the next two years, you've either extended Pete Alonso or you have lost faith in him for some reason. You've done the same with Nimo, I suppose. But I think you try to – I think you have to – and I know – But and that falls pretty squarely into the timeline that Cohen gave, right, of when he wanted to win a World Series by, what did he say, three to five years?
2: He said three to five, yeah, I believe so.
1: So, <laughs> there you go. You can do it in the next two years. You've done it in three. And, I, I mean, what Carrasco's also here for another two. Like, maybe just one. Walker's definitely only another one.
2: He has I that weird contract that has a that has a third year option that they'll never take,
1: right? Yes, yeah. So I mean, I think that's currently what the window looks like, and I think and the the cynical side of it from the the baseball standpoint is really it's after the second year I think that the luxury tax gets theoretically prohibitive, where it gets really bad is after two years. So right, right, blow out for two years. I mean, also, all this could obviously change with the CBA. I can't imagine that the luxury tax goes uh, like <laughs> the or the 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 top the level of go it. up, yeah, yeah. The, the if anything, the penalties go up. But they keep talking about raising the floor instead of changing the ceiling and raising that instead. But so, I mean, obviously, it's like all that—that's the caveat with all this—is maybe they win some radical change, but I don't see that happening.
2: I can't imagine it happening. Can you?
1: No, no, in no world. There's the players don't have enough leverage to get something like that. Um mainly because the owners are very, very good at turning the press against the player, turning the fans against the players via the press, yes. um, which is the history of labor in the United States for the last 60 years or so. Again, this is all I do besides thinking about the Mets. <laughs> Horrific 2022 is thinking about labor organizing. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine the players win anything super substantive unless they can get the owners to cave on something because of, I don't know, Changing the pace of play, but even that can get f- swung as player stuff. Like, I don't, the, but the only thing the players could win is more revenue from like the playoffs or something. I don't think they can win anything major in terms of luxury taxes, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. But yeah, okay, so give me your like top three folks and, and don't count folks that are coming back. So if you're bringing mm-hmm. back, you know, Baez or, um, Stroman, who, who are your top three guys you go after?
1: I think it's Correa, legitimately. I kind of said it as a joke, but I do think that makes your whole team so much better if you can get him to play third base. Because he did the same thing Bias did, where he basically said, like, I'd only play third base and, like, kind of hinted that it would be next to Lindor. So I think that would be huge for them. I think you got to get one of, if not two of the top starting pitching options, whether that is, like, basically that's, like, what's your flavor of top pitcher? Is it short-term old guy like Scherzer, or mm-hmm. theoretically Kershaw, or is it or Grinky, I guess or Verlander coming off of Tommy John, like any of those guys, or is it a longer term deal for a riskier guy like Carlos rodone or Robbie Ray? I'm of the latter. I think I I think rodone and Robbie Ray have are doing things differently enough mechanically that I am somewhat of a believer in both of their changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd Rod- lean Robbie Ray in that situation, I guess, and then. I mean, I think you need a. You should just get Chris Taylor, full stop. We didn't talk about him at all, but they have not had a super utility guy in a long time, um, who could do what he can, and I think he would be. He would patch up so many holes, like a a legit utility. You do know who
2: you're fucking talking to, right? Talking to to Mr. Jonathan VR here,
1: right? But yeah, but Jonathan VR can't actually play multiple positions. He can stand there. Mm. (laughs) Look, you watched him make as many bad throws at third base as i did i know, I know you're you right
2: did. i know you're right but i don't <laughs> I like know it i know you
1: did i know you did i know we thought he might be better at third base than jd davis and now we're not really sure
2: <laughs> oh I'm, I'm still sure of that <laughs> well, I mean, but not yeah, much else not much else
1: i mean i think like, it was weird to me that they never put vr in center considering he had done it
2: before They talked Um, about it, but I guess, uh, I I guess he was so needed elsewhere. If everything had gone right this season, he would have played a little bit of center when Nimmo went down for a week or two. Yeah.
1: I mean, he also would have only played like 60 games (laughs) instead of whatever he did. Yeah. But I think, I think Chris Taylor, who is. VR plus I'll be kind to VR. Um gives you so much more hell bring them both back i don't care like you they they just they need that versatility they keep pretending that they have with jeff mcneil or dom smith or even jd like you gotta gotta guy like who can do that who can play center for you because i think that's the other thing it's just nemo can't be your center fielder not that i want chris taylor in center every day necessarily either but nemo in center every day it's just it was better last year than i thought it was going to be it was a million times better because they just stopped making a play so shallow but
2: See that—that's my hot take. Is that you keep him at center? Is that you—you you just realize what you have in him? Because what you have in him—I mean, I don't know if you read uh, our colleague Lucas Flahus's piece he did on Amazing Avenue about Nimmo, where rather he is, sorry, su-
1: he is super nimmo pilled By the is, way, he
2: is—he—I—I I, I, I will grant <laughs> you—he is nimmo pilled <laughs> to the max, right? I—I I, I totally understand that. Um, but you know, we, we, did a piece in the off season that was sort of, um, bold predictions. And like, I predicted that Taiwan Walker would be the second best starting pitcher. And I was so close to that being correct, but right. didn't happen. But he, uh, Lucas predicted that he'd be a top seven center fielder by, I forget what metric he chose. And that if you adjust for the plate appearances, because he was hurt, he is at like a top five or top six center fielder in baseball. And, um, the
1: plate is that? Is that or just in, is that overall?
2: Oh, I think that's overall. Yeah, okay. I mean, I believe it. Um, and so, like you know, I, I don't. It's obviously not the like. I want a pretty center fielder, right? I, mm-hmm. I my my favorite player growing up that wasn't a Met was Ken Griffey Jr. Right? right? I want I want that kind of a center fielder, but for the price that Nimmo's costing, which is still cheap, mm-hmm. and for the other skills he brings with his great on base percentage and all of that, I think you just. I think you kind of have to just accept that because I do, I don't think that Nimmo's skills in left are half as valuable as Nimmo's skills in center.
1: That's fair. I think my other concern with him, and this is something, you know, another one of our colleagues and I, it's funny saying colleagues, they don't work here anymore. Uh, Thomas Henderson. And I talk about all the time is that my actual real chief concern with Nimmo is that he's just not healthy ever. And I think that, is more of my hesitance it's just you can't count on him to play even 100 games anymore um so i, I mean i guess that's what you get a chris taylor for right is like okay he can play center for 60 games if he has to but sure and i and i do think that this class is a particularly one where you're probably not going to improve on Nimo very much because as you said like you know controlling for play differences like it's hard to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. so i mean, i think i think that's probably of their least needs like that would be a nice thing to do that's probably the, would be their big, biggest luxury which would, would be would be replacing Nimmo at center which given the Mets history means that'll be the one thing that they do
2: right yeah exactly Is they'll
1: go get a legit so they'll go get like Buxton or something which would be almost a lateral move at this point health wise
2: that's, that's, <laughs> that's true yes <laughs>
1: and, like, and be like All right, we're done like cool you guys did the one thing you didn't have to huh we still don't have like any pitching crazy how you did that one move and like you signed byron buxton and then like john gray and (laughs) me to pitch
2: (laughs) so here is my last question for you before we get to our music picks which i know you're really looking forward to because you you and i talk music a lot um Mm -hmm. do you think that the mets front office volatility affects free agent signings
1: I think it does just in the sense of them not being able to get work done. I don't think any player or even agent necessarily particularly cares that like the front office, like is in disarray if the money is there. I just think that there's some degree it's almost like with the Rockies during the deadline where apparently nobody knew who to call to right. ask to make a <laughs> trade. That's kind of what the Mets feel like, like when you see Bob Melvin, Suddenly available for a managerial job, and you have a managerial job open, but you can't make that hire because you don't have a front office. Like I think that is more of the impediment. Is that I'm concerned that and it, I don't know. Chris mentioned this in the last episode as well. Um, not to say that I only remember the things he said, but this is just relevant. Sure, here. sure. Um, was that um, this stuff all might get held up by the CBA negotiations, so maybe it won't matter. But if this lingers for as long as it did last year where they don't have a settled for an office i think that just is where they get screwed i think some of these guys sign early again because it is a relatively large class even if it's not great there's a number of like solid pieces who will want to find jobs quickly because i think they're going to get you know none of these guys are real market setters a lot of the ways a lot of
2: the right time. right
1: but i think that's where you get screwed i think that's where they're, you know that's where you just got to get this done now I mean, maybe you can get quit, wait until, you know, maybe they announce a hire three days after the World Series ends or whatever, tomorrow, tonight. But if you don't have that set up, I think you're going to be up a creek pretty quickly.
2: I wonder if there is a date in mind that Sandy has been told, if we don't have somebody in place by this date, you are just the GM for next year. Does fl- that there, there? There should be. Right, there has to be, right? Doesn't that just make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually malpractice if there isn't, right? Like, you can't keep doing an interminable search when it's time to sign these guys. But at the same time, I again putting my conspiracy hat on, like Sandy knows that date and he's scuttling all of these hires so he can keep the job for another two years till they
2: just like hire Bryn and whatever. Like, Do you think he really wants the job? I don't. I don't think he really wants the job.
1: Um.
2: It almost feels like he wants it. Like if if he
1: did want it, I think it is a, not a vanity, well, sort of a vanity project where like, I think he is as aware of the rest of us as like the look of the Mets last year was that they did a terrible job and maybe he thinks he can save his reputation. Again, this is me talking out of nothing. I don't even think Sandy cares particularly that much about it, but I think if he were to still want this job, that would be why
2: he does. I don't disagree with that part of it. I just feel like, there's a there's there's two ways that he could go with the PR of it. I think either way makes sense. If he wants the job, what mm-hmm. he can say is, "Look, there's no one out there right now that we feel comfortable with, and so I'm going to do the job, and we're gonna we're gonna figure this out in the future." Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's a true statement, and I think that that is, um, you know, more or less an accurate read of what the situation is. However. I think if if I if I were hired as the PR person for this team what I would say is you know I Sandy Alderson thought I was out of the game at this point but last year I got my finger or my hands dirty again and I remember what it was like to be in the trenches and I want to I want one more run at this and so I'm reinvigorated to be the GM for this year mm-hmm. I think everybody sees through that but I think that that I think that lie plays better than just saying, like, we can't find anybody.
1: Yeah, I think he has to definitively say, this is it. I think he, I think it has to be like, I'm doing a retirement tour, essentially, right? I think you can't get, you can't do another year of this. If he has to be the GM next year, it has to be at full stop. I mean, I think he has, he has to announce, like, I am doing this and I am retiring at the end of the year. Cause otherwise that, that job will, they will never hire anybody ever again. <laughs> they have to punt it for a third year? with have to deal with him hanging around again?
2: You're right. I don't think they can do it a third year. I think this yes. would have to be it.
1: Yeah. I, and I think mean maybe that's the, all the more impetus to actually hire a GM. I think he probably knows that. He's like, I can't do this again. So I think if he does it next year, it's it.
2: I mean, I, I honestly think the best thing that could happen for the team is his son gets hired someplace else. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, I just feel like whoever anybody feels like, like to go back to that stupid fucking phrase that all there's <laughs> a sandwich, but like people feel like they're gonna be hired for a year or two and then mm-hmm. Bryn's gonna take over. Yeah. And I don't know Bryn from Adam, he could be the best baseball mind in the universe, but it doesn't change the perception of his hire.
1: Right. And it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, why is his job with like all these, like, you know, that every guy who's got some kid, like, their kid works somewhere. And it's right. just weird that he works for the Mets. <laughs> he shouldn't work for the team his dad works for. Like right, that's never exactly. comfortable for anybody. No one wants that. I did enough like shifts working as like a shit for brains hostess as like a teenager or host, host Jesus, host for like my dad. To know, like even that was weird for people. Right. Of and course, I was yeah. like I and I, I could tell nobody like I couldn't tell anybody to do anything. I was fifteen. And even that was weird for people. I had no control over anybody.
2: <laughs> Like,
1: it's just not comfortable like being in it that's why nepotism isn't allowed
2: right exactly
1: nobody likes that
2: uh, <laughs> yeah i i think I, I think i worked in my dad's law office for like one day once when he was desperate and mm-hmm. never again because it just doesn't go well typically yeah i
1: didn't particularly like working in the restaurants so that's why i don't do that anymore i work in the highly lucrative field of
2: journalism instead yes you are you, you are truly chasing that dollar my friend Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. it's going great. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of going great, let's get to some music. What is your music pick for this week, my friend?
1: I have deliberate, been deliberating over this all day. Um, I've, my brain has gone like 15 different directions on it, but I think I've settled on one because as has been common for me, it's just what I've been listening to a lot recently. Um, and so my pick is the Jeff Rosenstock live album, Thanks, Sorry, Um, It was a show they did in New York um, right before the pandemic, actually, I think, because they played a couple of the songs that were on the album that he kind of just released randomly in the middle of uh, 2020. Um, It was something that I, I didn't listen to him much before the pandemic in general and then did a lot. And then I slowly kind of found this live recording. And it's one of those ones where it's just straight up here is everything that anyone said at this concert. There is no cuts between songs besides just like, you know, we had to move on to the next song. There's long sidebars about him trying to talk to his parents. Um, He takes requests at one point, but because they're recording it for the live album, they can only do style covers. So they take (laughs) style requests and they try to play um, a 311 jazz song by Frank Sinatra. It goes terribly and goes nowhere but it's very funny. <laughs> it's just like, that's the whole mood of the thing is he's just running around. I'm, I'm also, I'm listening to, I'm seeing him at the end of the month. And so I'm trying to get into the correct headspace for somebody who one, doesn't go to a lot of concerts, but two, definitely go, doesn't go to a lot of concerts that are like hardcore punk leaning ska concerts. So like try to get into the headspace of what that looks like. <laughs> and so it's been how I've been preparing it's been watching that and watching other old live shows he's done. So that's my pick. It's a very fun time. It's long. It's like two and a half hours, which is also something I enjoy because I just put it on in the background at work when I'm trying to have motivation or be awake at like seven in the morning. (laughs)
2: Um, Have you... I presume you have not seen Rosenstock live then, correct?
1: I have not. I was not a fan pre-pandemic, really. He did play at Fordham um, the spring before I started there, so I can't get mad about it because I would not have gone if he had played... You know the spring of my freshman year but so that <laughs> sure. was the closest i came he played at the coffee shop that is literally next to where i lived freshman year for the uh <laughs> you and weird cities music video when he played a show in all of the five boroughs in one day that was the bronx show
2: wow that's um yeah if you were a fan now and he was on campus you didn't go you'd be kicking yourself probably pretty oh. seriously
1: I do because Boy Genius played at the radio station my senior year, but I was not aware of them at the time, so I did not go. I could have easily gone. I worked there. I knew a ton of people who worked in the music department, um, and I am mad about it to this day. <laughs> so, yes, I, you can, I would be kicking myself because I'm doing it about a different band.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, so I, I was I was all set to pick a song from the year 2000 or an album from the year 2000 today mm-hmm. because I had a Halloween party over the weekend that was themed to the year 2000. Um, and there was a lot of great singles released that year. And the, the playlist was full of bangers at the party. But it's, it's a weird year for me because that was the year that I was both graduating high school and starting college. And so I mm-hmm. feel like I was not really listening to all all that much music because I was busy like doing stuff, <laughs> like yeah graduating from college and hanging out with my friends and those sorts of things. And so I don't have like a ton of like I there's, there's not a ton of records that, that, that like stand out to me from that year that I a couple that I have I have already uh recommended on this show. So I don't want to <laughs> do that either. Um <laughs> And then I was like, well, I should pick an REM album, but I always pick an REM album. So then I was like, I should pick a ween album, but I always pick a ween album. So um, I am going to go a little bit different. I am a huge fan of the jazz band, The Bad Plus. They played last week in uh, New York. I actually, Jack, almost texted you like an hour before the show when my friend canceled on me to see if you wanted to go to the show. But I was like, no, Jack lives uptown. This show is way downtown. He'll never get here in time. I'm not going to make him feel bad for saying no to me for leaving the house after he's already home and done with work and all that. Um, but so the bad plus is a jazz trio. Um, it was rather it was a jazz trio until very recently, bass, piano and drums. Their second pianist left uh, during the pandemic. He wanted to go back to doing solo stuff. So they have changed their lineup to being a um, a four piece with a guitar and a saxophone. In place of the uh, piano, as so the show I went to was their first ever New York show um, with this new lineup, and you know, it was certainly different than I was expecting. But it reminded me a lot of a record that the bass player Reed Anderson did before the Bad Plus, called "The Vastness of Space." The guitar player for the band now, Ben Monder, is on this record. Uh, people who are big music fans and know Ben Monder because he played on David Bowie's Black Star, the last Bowie record. And um, the the record is just really, really phenomenal. I think Reed Anderson writes some of the best mood music in the world. He just can, whatever the tone he's going for, I feel like 30 seconds into the song, you are locked into that mood, whether it's joyous or um, you know longing or chaos like he just he can just nail you with whatever it is he's going for and this album has uh, three songs in particular that I really love one is called prehensile dream one is called the captain and one is called silence is the question both prehensile dream and silence in the question is the question became bad plus songs down the road but I actually prefer the versions on this record uh, if you're not a jazz person you're probably listening to this for two seconds and tap out but I would encourage anyone out there to give this a listen. I think it's a fantastic, really unique, beautiful record. So uh, you couldn't get two more different records than Jeff Rosenstock and Reed Anderson, but there's probably a saxophone on both.
1: There absolutely is a saxophone on both.
2: There we go. See, this is the sax connection.
1: That was a remarkable move by you by the way to one like have a very in-depth conversation about this jazz music but also managed to suggest like three separate albums when you're really suggesting one <laughs> <laughs> i was like here's this but like also it sounds like this thing that's on that and also here's this one you should try this too if you think that's
2: good well see, here's, jack how long have you known me for now a couple of years have i yeah. ever had nothing to say about music <laughs> like, no no absolutely not when, i was like
1: when, this is exactly how i expected this to
2: go when you get me talking about music i talk <laughs> about music this is just what happens I like, um,
1: this, this, to be fair this was you getting you to talk about music you i know
2: imagine being imagine how insufferable it is to live in my house my wife does not care about music like she is she likes the radio. She has no interest in music and she'll see the look in my eyes sometimes and just know like, Oh, here comes five minutes about the pixies that I don't care about. Like she can just see it coming. But oh, that's I've okay.
1: of this from you by the way now, which is a funny thing to say about somebody who I'm just friends with, but I have taken up that. I had talked to my parents. I think my parents aren't that upset that I moved out because I started doing that to them. And they're like, okay, you can move. that's <laughs> fine. I don't even hear about the intricacies of the differences between a bomb, the music industry show and, how Jeff Rosenstock does things and the differences in between and how he recorded records. I'm like, yeah, no, you don't care.
2: It's fine. One of the things that my dad, God rest his soul, used to say to me was that he was so happy that I cared about stuff that so many people just don't care. And but then, but then he would say, but you care too much. And that's a fair point. Uh, a very fair point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jack, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where can folks find you on the internet since they can't find you at amazing Avenue?
1: Uh, on Twitter, unfortunately, way too often uh, at JF McClooney. That's JF M C L O O N E Y. And also, I'll plug our guild account at A underscore dot guild. We've been unionizing my newsroom, part of a big unionizing wave. I'd love to get some support for people because we're fighting Gannett, who's miserable to work for. <laughs> but we're trying to make it better because they own a lot of local newspapers and they're important.
2: Uh, to, to quote many people, but including um, my hero, Woody Guthrie, Solidarity Forever. So
1: we love to hear it.
2: Let's do it. All right folks, thank you for listening. You can find more of these podcasts and articles and other things of the sort, including the AAOP on Friday at amazingAvenu.com. Amazing Avenue is on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at amazing Avenue. you just heard Jack's uh, Twitter handle I am on Twitter at Fridays an app and until next time, let's go mass)